Hi everyone, I'm Emily Crow, Multimedia Editor at Progressive Grocer. Welcome to Top Women in Grocery, a podcast focused on the trends, topics, and interests that move women forward in grocery retail. We're spotlighting extraordinary women in the grocery industry who have had successful careers and interesting lives, and who are also making a positive impact in their workplaces and in their communities. Today, we're talking to Allison Krollman, Senior Manager of Supply Chain Insights for ADUSA Procurement, part of Ahol Dalhaze USA's Retail Business Services. She leads a team of analysts that uses data, systems, reporting, and functional knowledge to identify trends and opportunity areas to improve performance across the entire Ahol Dalhaze USA supply chain. As a leader of this new team, Allison works closely with company leaders to identify and drive aligned priorities while managing cross-functional initiatives and strategies. Allison was the founding chair of our company's proud LGBTQ business resource group, and she serves as an LGBTQIA advocate in her local community. Allison was also recently named one of Progressive Grocer's top women in grocery, and we're so excited to have her here today to talk about her career progression, the mentors she's had along the way, championing the LGBTQ community, and more. Allison, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Great. Well, to start, please tell us a bit about your journey to becoming the manager of supply chain insights for ADUSA procurement. Um, Well, actually, so starting with ADUSA in general, I actually, my first role there was with retail business services. So one of the sister companies to ADUSA procurement. Um, And that was a moment of really big growth for me personally. So I was at a company prior to joining RBS and ADUSA. I was at a company where I was very comfortable. Um, I knew what I was doing. I was good at it. I knew who I was interacting with. I liked the company. Every day looked very similar. um, And I'd gotten into a routine. But at one point, I challenged myself to look in the mirror and admit that my comfort was actually complacency and that if I was being honest, there was not going to be opportunities for growth for me and I wasn't being challenged anymore. I had learned everything I could learn from that role and from that organization. So I um, had a friend who worked for RBS and said, hey, you do supply chain. We do supply chain over here. I think you should um, try an interview for one of these roles. And I did that. And from one interview, I like to joke that I left my first interview knowing that this was the company for me. But honestly, that is true. I did have one interview in person um, with a leader that I actually still directly support today, five years later, um, which is pretty funny, but, and I left knowing this is the company I want to go work for. I really believe in the mission here. And I feel like I would never stop growing and never stop learning, which has been true. So I started as a, um, junior analyst on the supply chain program management team a little over five years ago. And from there, I really discovered my passion for cross-functional and strategic work. Um, I had come from a really functional, operational background, and this type of higher-level work, driving connectivity, managing interdependencies, um, working through constantly shifting priorities, turned out to be something I enjoyed and did pretty well, which was pretty surprising giving outside of work. I was definitely not one to embrace change easily, hesitated to take change, um, but professionally, it became one of my key strengths. So through that role, I was promoted to a senior analyst role on the same team, and I held similar roles to that at that same level for a few years before taking a manager role in the procurement development. 
area, which is where I continued to manage and drive cross-functional and strategic efforts. And in 2022, I supported a project um, that involved the launch of a new supply chain operating model. And following that launch earlier this year, a component of that model was the supply chain insights function, which was a completely new function in our area and a very exciting team because it really blends that non-functional non and functional focus together to provide cross-functional visibility to performance, um, really with a unified narrative from multiple different sources and perspectives, bringing all that together to empower collaborative action against the areas and drivers most impactful to the total business. So very happy to be in this new position. Sounds like a big job. It's a, it'll be an interesting one, that's for sure. Good. Glad to hear it. Well, tell us a bit about the mentors you've had along the way. It sounds like you've worked with and for a lot of the same people. Tell us what they taught you and how they've supported you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've been so fortunate with mentorship, to be honest, and I truly believe it's so important for growth and development for anyone. Um, and I've definitely had formal mentors in the past, but I really love the concept of informal mentorship as well, uh, where you can really just leverage your network to find those individuals that you can learn from, who are looking out for you, helping you grow, um, either through pointing you towards new experiences, maybe connecting you with other work opportunities or offering knowledge, um, honest feedback, or even just being a very specific role model or that trusted sounding board that you have to help keep you in check on an ongoing basis. And I, I definitely have had a few of these more informal mentors over the years, and they've been within different groups. So at my current organization, I've had some mentors at the senior leadership level, um, within my direct leadership group, so people that I've reported to directly, as well as within my peer group. And all of them have been very special to me. Um, within the senior leadership group, I think it's been really helpful to show me what type of leader I would like to be one day as I continue to advance, um, as well as seeing the executive teams and the senior leaders being able to really drive home change and bring things to life at that level has been really awesome to be able to look up to and then try and emulate as I continue to develop. Um, and then what better than to have managers of your own that you look up to and that help teach you how to lead people. And I've been really fortunate the last couple of direct managers I've had have been spectacular women who have taught me so much about the type of leader I want to be um, and have supported me so directly professionally and personally. Having those having those people that you can turn to when times are rough outside of work and that are able to help manage you and balance your performance expectations and um, really true like servant leaders and people who are not afraid to get down in the trenches with you um, and who would never ask you to do something they wouldn't do themselves. That's been a huge lesson that I've learned from my managers directly. And then um, mentors within my peer group too, one of whom taught me one of my favorite pieces of advice, which is to seek out intentional discomfort. And I have adapted that and run with that so hard over the past couple of years. And that has been really, again, pushing myself out of my comfort zone, because that's where I'm going to grow most. And if I'm comfortable, I'm probably not growing. So the intentional discomfort definitely owe that to a mentor of mine as well. And uh, interestingly enough, actually, three of those mentors that I referenced were part of the 2022 
top women in grocery class. Fantastic. Glad to hear it. Absolutely. Jordan Nickerson, Rebecca Severance, and Taryn Guy. They are incredible leaders, incredible women. I'm honored to call them friends. I'm honored to work with them. Um, And it feels like a really nice full circle moment because I remember cheering them on last year, being so proud of their accomplishments. And I know I have that same support for them. So that's something really special. Great. Passing the torch in a really exciting way. Absolutely. Well, you are very vocal and proud about being a member of the LGBTQIA plus community and finding acceptance and encouragement from your entire team. Can you tell us about the proud LGBTQ plus resource group that you chaired and the types of supportive documents and ideas that have come out of it within your company? Absolutely. So this one's really close to the heart because The Proud BRG was really a culmination of my personal, professional, and kind of ambition growth in that um, when I was asked to chair the entire BRG, it was new, it was emerging. Um, I did not think I was necessarily cut out for that. I had not volunteered to lead the entire BRG. I said I would get involved. Um, And the leader of our DNI team for supply chain who is a great friend of mine, really pushed me to say, hey, I know you can do this. I would like you to do this. And I think this group needs you and needs your perspective. So I took that. I embraced it. I ran with it um, and helped stand up an incredible executive board. Um, The other chairs were just fantastic. One of my favorite teams I've ever worked on, much less led, has been was this executive board for the Proud BRG. So it started, it was very kind of grassroots-esque with seeking specific people out and saying, I wondered, hey, I had such hesitation in thinking I wasn't cut out for this or I wasn't enough of XYZ to be doing this. I wonder how many people out there are feeling that same kind of either imposter syndrome or not feeling like they have either a dog in this fight or have the right to have an opinion on anything related to the LGBTQIA plus community or any topics. And I really wanted to break that stigma and say, if you are either a member of this community, an ally, or someone with basic respect who wants to learn to be a better ally, you have a place here and you have a voice here. So in doing that, we stood up a great executive board um, and the chairs we worked together to create a business plan for the first couple of years to really get the BRG launched off of the ground. And I took my personal background, which was that I came out later in life and I I was scared. I mean, coming out is such a personal journey. It's very different for every individual. Everyone has their own journey. And I was very fortunate to be met with constant support um, outside of work, which I'm more fortunate than many. Not everyone has that unwavering support. But inside of work, I didn't want to be looked at differently. I didn't want this to hinder my performance or hold me back from advancement and not at no point in my male dominated industry did I ever receive a sideways glance or any type of hesitation or discomfort and I was so grateful for that because to my leaders and to my peers and to my stakeholders I was still just me and I think that's a really beautiful mentality that people should apply not just at work, but outside of work too, to members of the community and just other humans, right? Golden rule, be great to everyone. Um, And I realized because this industry is so dominated by cisgender white male of a certain age, that these are the guys that we are probably not making allyship a very approachable thing. 
So I really wanted to take the fear out of allyship and say, hey, if you come with respect, there is a seat for you at this table. Please, you're not going to be villainized for asking questions. And I think a lot of these guys thought they were too far gone to be able to back up and ask and say, I don't understand pronouns. I don't understand what what civil rights issues same sex couples are still facing. I don't know. And I don't know. I don't want to offend anyone. So really breaking down that barrier of saying you can ask questions in a respectful way. And we promise to treat you with the same respect and answer some of those questions. So all of that together drove um, one of the things that came out of our kind of inaugural first six months or so in the BRG was the concept of allyship tips, which was um, just like a fun newsletter type thing that went out to the company. And it was really easy to digest. It was written in a very approachable way. And there were some topics like um, LGBTQIA+. That is a long acronym and it has gotten longer. <laughs> People know the first four letters, but do they? Did they change? What right. are the other three letters? What is the plus? So mm -hmm. explaining that in an infographic to basically say, here's what each letter means. Some of them have multiple meetings. And by the way, here are some other common phrases you're probably hearing related to this. Let me define sex versus gender. Let me, def let me explain what the common pronouns are. So we did those. And my favorite one that we put out was actually on inclusive language, which I think is the easiest way to be a better ally is to use inclusive language. So when you want to ask someone about their family saying, do you have siblings instead of do you have brothers and sisters? Or my favorite, oh, you just got married. What does your spouse do? How did you meet your spouse? I, um, I understand that for the rest of my life, I will correct people when they ask about my husband and I will have to say my wife and that is okay. Sure. Uh, we are we have more rights and privileges afforded to us than the generations before us. And I hope and I wish that the next generation won't have to do that because um, that's forward momentum. But if we try to be better allies and we try to learn and, and do better and pay it forward, I think we can get there. So very, very proud of what came out of that group. And um, that group continues to thrive today. And um, I look forward I'm no longer chairing them because of my new position. I'm actually in a different part of the organization now, but um, the leaders that are leading it are fantastic and I can't wait to see what they accomplish in the years to come. Great. Well, I think you sort of answered this with your explanation, but I'm curious why it was important for you to help bring that resource to your colleagues when you helped initially stand up the resource group. Sure. Yeah. And as you said, I think a lot of it was in my first answer, but um this one, it was just so important to make it accessible, right, to everyone to really, we were, we want to push for equality and to really normalize things. And where I don't want to have to correct someone when they ask what my husband does, I also don't want someone to have to answer a bunch of qualifying questions to be considered an ally. So trying to bring that platform to a level where everyone can get on it together and then raise it up in unity was really what I thought was important about bringing that to my colleagues, especially in this industry where there, I think, there were so many people because my organization was doing a really good job of making members of the community feel safe and protected at work, which seems like a no brainer, but isn't true everywhere. And I'm proud to work for an organization that protects and cares about their associates who are members of the LGBTQIA plus community. Um, I also wanted to try and give back to to allies and to for allies in waiting, I like to call them future allies. So everyone out there, I want to assume if you're not an ally, you are a future ally. You just don't know enough yet. And I'm happy to help educate you and learn together. Great.
You also, as part of your work, identified, sourced, and validated certified LGBTQ-owned suppliers. How did you go about doing that? Sure. So that was actually connected to the BRG as well. So something um, really great about the organization is that we actually have a supplier diversity team. And the head of that area had met with the BRG leaders and said, hey, um, make sure that you're being intentional with spending as you're spending with your groups, like when you're doing your budget, because we want to make sure we're intentionally spending with diverse suppliers. And um, this person has mentioned that there was a lack of spend in the LGBTQ category. And I was like, well, that's me. Let me take that one. So I worked with the DEI team, um, the leader of that area, and he and I found some suppliers that we validated as LGBTQ owned. Um, and then we're able to also spread the messaging of intentional spend to other BRG groups, as well as other functions within the organization to say, hey, when you're doing Christmas gifts, please take a look at this supplier um, and then expand beyond that as well into other suppliers of what other areas, where do we have spend where we can be more intentional. Um, and that was great because it takes very little legwork. So that's the one thing I would want people to know about diverse, certified diverse suppliers is they are proud of their certifications and they went out and got those certifications. So just do some Googling and see. And I promise if you reach out to those suppliers, you're going to be able to create the most wonderful business relationships because you have a shared mission. So as much as you're, you're appreciating their certification, they're appreciating your intentional spending, and you're going to be able to forge some really strong business connections through that kind of shared goal and objective. And that was the case for us as well. That's great. Well, as one of our newest TWIG honorees, as I said, we're so excited to have you and that you've been honored. Do you have any advice for other women working to succeed in the grocery industry? I have a ton, but I will pick just a couple. Um, okay. And this really applies to to women in any industry. I think a lot of, now the grocery industry can still be pretty male dominated, especially where I sit in supply chain. Um, but in general, women in business, don't be afraid to challenge the status quo. Don't be afraid of labels like being called bossy just because you're a leader, being called demanding because you ask questions. Push through those and stay on your path and utilize those mentors and those sounding boards and the people you trust to keep you in check as you move forward. Um, and don't be afraid to ask questions. I truly believe I owe a lot of my success in addition to networking and mentorship, to the fact that I am not scared to ask questions. I don't worry about looking dumb um, because a lot of the times someone else in the room has the same question. They are just too afraid to ask. Or yeah. you discover that three or four people thought they knew the answer to the question and they all have different answers. So it's a great way to get folks to take a step back in a line. Um, and starting at a high level is never a bad idea. And then drilling down to the details slowly, you can make sure you get everyone on the same page up here and then work your way down and you're going to end up at a way more successful result. Um, and then the two most important things I think for women specifically is, again, that intentional discomfort, you got to get out of your comfort zone. And a good way to do that is to go for opportunities that you don't believe you are 100% qualified for. I had a peer who went for a job years back that I was like, wait, what? 
you can't go for that. You're not qualified for that. I'm not qualified. Like, why are we even talking about this job? And she got it because they took a chance on her. It was a stretch role, but it really jumpstarted her career. And I learned in that moment, I will never be afraid to go for a job that I want, that I believe I can get good at, just because I can't check off every single box in the qualifications. Men are not checking off every single box and they're getting the job. So ladies, please apply for the role. You will probably get it. Go for it. I love that. (laughs) Well, Allison, thank you so much for your wonderful insights and for being here with us today. Thank you so much for having me, Emily. I appreciate it. Absolutely. For more information about the Top Women in Grocery podcast, please visit www.progressivegrocer.com slash podcasts. You can also subscribe to this series wherever you typically listen to podcasts, including on Apple, Google, and Spotify. Finally, do you have an idea for a Twig podcast topic? We'd love to hear from you. Email me at ecrow at ensembleiq.com. See you next time, and thanks for listening.